I want to begin a brand new teaching series for the next three weeks titled, Let's Talk. So you'll hear one week, let's talk about faith, the role of faith in your life, the value of faith in your life, how to use faith. Another week you'll hear, let's talk about truth, the power of truth, the power of conviction. But today, I want to begin with, let's talk about pain. We live in a society that we thrive on living on the surface, shallow relationships, shallow conversations. And as a result, we seldom talk about thorny, difficult topics like pain and suffering. I'd like for you to open your Bibles with me to Job chapter 1. If you've ever read that book, it's one of the most fascinating books of the Bible. You should read it when you're depressed. <laughs> it captures the life of a man that went through horrible pain. And so if you're depressed, you're going to feel really good about yourself because you're going to see how tough this guy had it. So as we look at Job, the idea is to offer answers as to how can we better handle pain. I want to begin at verse 13, Job 1. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they're dead. And I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. Imagine hearing four pieces of bad news at the same time on the same day. Imagine the pain. The Bible tells us in the first two verses of chapter 1 that Job was the greatest man among the people of the East. In fact, the Bible describes him as a righteous man, a godly man, not only a man who feared God in the sense of having reverence for God, but a man who escaped evil, shunned it, avoided it. Job had multiple businesses. He was an entrepreneur. And so when we talk about those livestock dying, they were not just livestock, like camels. It wasn't just having a bunch of camels. Camels were used for long-distance news. It was almost a precursor to CNN, the Associated Press. Job had an international news business. And so when he lost all these businesses, 
And on top of that, seven sons, three daughters, killed instantly. I can imagine the horrific pain that he felt. Think about the most painful day of your life. And for some of you, it may have been where you were a victim of betrayal. Others, you may have been a victim of crime. Others, you may have been raped. Or you may have been betrayed by a company that you worked for for years. Whatever the pain, I feel for you. Job's pain can be factored multiple times more than yours and certainly more than mine. If I was there alongside of Job or when he had all this bad news that came to him on one particular day and he sent a messenger to go and get my pastor. I need him. And I'm coming into that situation having heard all the things, loss of the, of his, of the animals, loss of his businesses, loss of his employees, loss of his kids. What would I say to Job? I would say to Job, as he tells me, talk to me about pain. I'd say, Job, pain is complicated. They're not all easy answers. See, quick answers don't change us. And sometimes the answers take time to come. And sometimes they never come. Because pain's complicated. It's complicated because we have questions like, why did this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? Well, where's God in all of this? And could I have avoided this? As in Job's case, tragedy often strikes unexpectedly without any notice. I want you to take the posture like we've all been educated and instructed to do. When we get into our cars, we're told, put on our seatbelts. In fact, the engineers nowadays design the cars that it makes this annoying noise until you buckle up. The seatbelt doesn't stop the accidents. It lessens the blow and the shock and the pain of the accident. This sermon is like a seatbelt. It may not cause you to avoid the accident, but it'll certainly lessen the blow and the pain of it because of how you wrap your mind around it. Pain, it's complicated. Many years ago, the great German scholar and pastor, Dr. Helmut Thielicke, took a tour of America. When he finished touring the States, one of the Christ followers said, Dr. Thielicke, uh, you've gone from coast to coast. What would you say is the most difficult thing among the American Christian community? The great German scholar paused for a moment and said, you don't have a theology of pain. You don't know what to do with pain. You don't know what to do with suffering. You, you have this surfacy, shallow thought 
Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. That's not true. That's a child's way of thinking. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. It all gets mixed around. And so I want you to see that these things happen. A few years ago it was shocking. This guy gets arrested for some drug charge. And when the police took his mugshot, someone posted it on the internet. The guy was like 6'1", about 180 pounds, light-skinned African-American, green eyes, curly hair. I mean, he looked like a GQ. And so ladies started responding to the post saying, I can't wait until he gets out of prison. I don't, I don't mind having him as a boyfriend or as a husband. And then even magazines said, and then model agencies said, when you get out, give us a ring so we can have a modeling contract for you. There are other guys working all the time, going to the gym every day, looking. They have the, they're 6'2", they're the 180. They got green and blue and hazel eyes and brown all mixed together. And they have no modeling contract. And they walk righteously. In fact, they may be members of the church. You might be the person. <laughs> Wrong color eyes. <laughs> but, but, but the idea is the fact that I don't know why. Good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. All I can tell you is pain is complicated. Let's try to wrap our minds a little bit around it. There are two ways we address pain. First, philosophically. Second, pastorally. They're different. And that's not an order of priority. The philosophical address is someone who's asking intellectual questions. Questions such as, what's the source of pain? Questions such as, if God is good, why does evil exist? Their reasoned analytical question, they're looking for answers that they can hang their head on. The pastoral approach is when someone is hurting. And they ask you, well, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? See, the philosophical approach, it's like the doctor of oncology who's presenting to us information about cancer. He has a different approach when it's an intellectual exercise. But if he himself was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer, his pursuit will no longer be philosophical. It'll be pastoral. See, bright answers won't penetrate a veil of tears. And in the same breath, answers that are filled with comfort and emotional energy will not penetrate a veil of intellectual pursuits and a desire for reasoned answers. We need both. Pain, it's complicated. Pain's complicated also because there are two sources that it stems from. You have natural evil and moral evil. Very different. Natural evil is a result of earthquakes, tornadoes, diseases, cyclones. Things that happen that you and I did not cause. And you and I, human beings, we don't create. Tsunamis, 
spontaneous combustion that triggers forest fires. We can't be blamed. We can't have someone point the finger at us. We are not that powerful. Natural evil is what caused that. And it creates a lot of pain. Job, in verse 16, it tells us that when lightning struck Job's sheep and killed his workers, that was a source of pain from natural evil. When the, when, when the, the lightning, or the hurricane rather, hit Job's, the, the house for Job's kids and it, the walls fell down and killed all of his ten children, that was natural evil. But the scripture also teaches about evil and pain has sometimes its source in moral, from moral issues. Moral evil is when people have created it because God created us with free will. If I choose today after this service, because, man, this is a bad sermon. I preached horribly. And I drive my car into your car because you looked at me funny. I have the freedom to do that. Is it right? No. Is, does it show a moral problem on my side? Yes. Does it point to the fact that God, in His infinite, infinite love, created all of us human beings with freedom and free will? Yes. But it does reflect moral evil, which causes pain. In fact, the earthquake that hit, hit Mexico a few months ago, there was a whole lot of looting. So here we see there's a linkage between natural evil and moral evil. Just like in the scriptures in verse 14 of Job 1, it shows the Sabaeans stole Job's donkeys and killed all the servants, and that was moral evil. Then verse 18, the, you know, this, this tornado kills Job's kills, you know, kids, natural evil. And this, the Bible shows both. And here we see greedy deforestation. We want bigger houses, and so we cut down forests, and that creates then a shortage of resources. So moral evil affects natural evil. And so this whole thing about pain is very very complicated. And what helps me when I go through pain is I have to understand that since pain is so complicated, I got to sit for a while and not rush into decisions and rush into judgments and rush into actions. Sit for a while. Sort through it. Take it in. So if I was Job's pastor and I was invited into this, his home at that moment, I would say to Job, Job, pain's complicated. And as he sat and listened, maybe he wept, maybe I wept. And when we composed ourselves, I would say to him, Job, pain is corrective. See, pain helps to adjust your perspective. It helps to adjust your actions, your feelings, your decisions. It's amazing how pain helps us to get in touch with things that we ordinarily will never get in touch with. Verse 20 of Job 1 says, at this, hearing about all of what happened with the storms and the lightning and the, the hurricane, at this Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. 
Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, pardon me, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will, I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Job, he knew that there's some benefit to pain that is corrective. He tore his robe, shaved his head. Signs of mourning. Signs of grieving. He accepted the unchangeable reality of what just occurred. And many of us, the reason why our pain is... It, it, it continues because oftentimes we don't accept the fact that it happened. You may have been divorced. It's over. Move on. Doesn't mean you don't like what was done. Doesn't mean you don't like what, was hap what happened. But pain is corrective. I remember this couple a number of years ago, they... Church was at a certain size. I was involved in premarital counseling at that point still. And they said, we'd like to sit with you for premarital counseling. I said, sure. And met with them in my office. I said, tell me a little bit about yourself. And I asked the question to the gentleman. I said, have you been married before? He said, yes, twice. And he was about 32, 33 years old. I said to the woman, have you been married before? She said, yes, once. I said, well, when did you get divorced? She said, a month ago. At that, I stood up. I said, I can't marry you. She said, why? Because we've been divorced? I said, no, because you have not processed your pain adequately to understand what went wrong, what needs to adjust. You have not gone through any corrective approach because pain is corrective. It's one month is not long enough for you to be able to heal from the, from the tragedy and the pain of a divorce. They didn't like my decision. So they went ahead and got married with someone else. Saw them a month later. She had put on about 40 pounds because of the stress and the pressure and the dynamics of being married with the, at the backdrop of a divorce just a month ago. See, you, you got to know that pain, it's corrective. And so Job, when he sat and shaved his head and tore his clothes, cultural actions to say, I'm grieving about what just happened. And then he started worshiping. And he's not worshiping because he's ignoring and suppressing. No, he's worshiping because it's cathartic. It's medicinal. It's redemptive. It's therapeutic. It's healing. And so Job worshipped, praising the name of the Lord. See, the reason why is because emotions of awe and sympathy and pity are not to be wasted. you got to treasure these things. Millard Fuller, the founder of Habitat for Humanity, the way it started... And he writes in his book, Love in the Mortar Joints, M-O-R-T-A-R, mortar joints, like putting bricks together, that mortar that connects the bricks. He says that he and his wife, Linda, 
When they first got married, they said, we're going to outdo each other in how we love each other. Years passed. The marriage began to fray. Their love towards each other began to decline. He had become a multimillionaire at that point, having lots of cars, a bunch of houses, horses, the American dream. They lived in, in Montgomery, Alabama. She flew to New York just to try to get away, just to get her head together, because in her mind, the pain was so unbearable. The only thing now is divorce, and so she's pondering that. After a couple of days, she calls her husband, Millard, and said, would you come to New York? Let's talk about our relationship. He flies to New York, but before he flew, God started to deal with his heart. And mind you now, he had been a backslidden Christian. That's Bible language to say that. I used to walk as a holy, devoted follower, passionate follower of Jesus, but stuff got in the way, and I just now, I'm just lukewarm, and I'm just doing things. I look like any other person that's not a Christ follower because my behavior is so depreciated and so atrophied that you can't really tell that I'm a follower of Jesus. But he's there somehow in the recesses of my life. He flies to New York, and he, when he gets there, he tells Linda... Before she even starts talking, he says to her, we got to start all over. I don't want this marriage to end in divorce. He says to her, now he's an attorney at the time. He said, I'm going to sell all the houses. I'm going to give away the money. I'm going to sell all the horses. I'm going you know, to sell my portion of the business to my business partner. I'm going to give the money away. All this junk has gotten in the way. And he did that. And they started all over. And out of that Habitat for humanity arose because he said, I always had a love for building things. When I was a boy, my dad was a contractor and I worked with my dad. And I want to help people that have no homes have homes. Pain is corrective. You ought not to let your feelings of awe and sympathy and those precious emotions go to waste where you feel sorry for yourself. Ask God this question in the midst of your pain. God... How can I use this pain for progress? God, how can I use my hurt for access into greater things for the glory of your kingdom? See, pain is corrective. Job 2 verse 9 says, his wife said to him, and mind you, before this occurred, Job, not only did he lose all the things, his body became inflicted with sickness, boils and sores all over his body to the point where the itching was so intense, he would take broken pots and scratch his skin to try to, you know, to give himself some relief. And his wife is seeing all this, and she said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said, Nothing wrong. I, I don't want to beat up Job's wife because when he said to her, You're talking like a foolish woman, he wasn't saying you're a fool. He's saying, you feel so sorry for me. Your empathy for me is now saying, Job, why don't you just 
Your pain is too much for me to bear and for me to see, and it's too much for you. She was talking about committing suicide. You take, take your own life. Curse God and die. Now, mind you, a lot of atheists and agnostics hold to this posture. Not suicide, but they think as if, since I don't have plausible answers for pain and suffering. Therefore, let me no longer believe in the existence of God. Let me be angry at the Christian church. Let me be angry at anybody who believes in God. Why? Because as if to say that since I, as an atheist or I, as an agnostic, have no plausible reasoned answers for the subject of pain and suffering, let me now say, I don't believe in God. There is no God I want nothing to do with God, and I want nothing to do with God's church. I want nothing to do with anybody that believes in God. That's so ridiculous. Because that doesn't solve the problem of pain. Sometimes you got to throw the hard question back at the atheist. When they say, prove to me that there's God. Look at all the suffering in the world. And I say, that's a great question. May I ask you a question first, and then I'll try to answer your question. I said, what is it? What is your solution to pain and suffering? What do you think is the reason for pain and suffering? How do you deal with pain and suffering to maintain hope in your own life? Because I'd like to learn from you. And you'll find 99.99% of the times they're quiet because they have no answer. Just because they have questions doesn't give you an edge up. Throw a question back. Not in an argumentative way. Not in a drop the mic way. Not in a show you way. Not in a bragging way. But in a way to put a little wedge in their spoke, in their intellectual musing and surmising so they can redirect their thinking like Job dealt with his wife. He said, should I only accept good from God and not the things that come that are uncomfortable and seemingly bad? Well, what Job was saying is that Pain's corrective. I'm not going to curse God because that doesn't change anything. I love what C.S. Lewis said. I wish I said it. Now I will. A man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. See, just because... You don't have an answer to the question of the reason for evil and pain doesn't invalidate the existence of God. Pain's complicated. Pain's corrective. And I want us to recognize that. But pain, it's also cohesive. It binds us together. It is amazing that pain has benefits. I'm not suggesting that you should go down the street looking for pain. I'm not suggesting you should. <laughs> I just want more pain because I just want to get closer with you. No! If that's the case, you're crazy. Well, you don't look for pain, but pain does have some redemptive benefits to it that nothing else brings. We human beings are communal creatures. We're not meant to cry alone. We're not meant to live life alone. We're meant to live lives within a community. 
And when we live lives alone and go through pain, that's when thoughts about suicide and depression fills in. In fact, do you realize that suicide, it's the 10th leading cause of death in America? In 2017, 1.4 million people attempted suicide in our country. 47,123 people died by suicide in 2017. From year 2000 to year 2016, that 16 year period of time, the rate of suicide increased by 30%. From 10.4% to 13.5%, and the National Center for Health Statistics give us that data. In other words, people are increasingly becoming so isolated, so lonely, so, so, you know, so traumatized by their pain that they don't know how to deal with it because pain is not meant to, to, to isolate us. Pain, it should be a communal experience. Why? Because we need each other. Could you imagine as Job was there going through all the loss of his family, loss of his business, his debilitating disease, then all of a sudden, at the end of the book of Job, in chapter 42, verse 10, this emerges. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. When you read the book of Job, Job had three close friends that stayed with him throughout his ordeal. And that's why we need friends. You can't walk by yourself. You're not meant to walk alone. You're, you're not meant to do life alone. When you do that, when you go through trouble, who are you going to call? You, you can't comfort yourself to the level that outsiders that are part of your community can. Job's friends, sometimes Job's friends, when they gave him counsel, it was ridiculous. It was nonsensical. Job refuted their counsel many times. But it's better than not having anybody. I'd rather have some people in my life that tell me craziness than have nobody at all. Because at least I can talk with someone and talk to someone. And when you think about it, imagine trying to feed yourself the food of comfort with this long spoon. You could never feed your soul. If you try to do that, it is a bad, bad move on your part. The best thing to do is when you recognize that you don't hide your feelings, don't hide your pain, but within the context of community, share your pain. And when you share your pain, that's a good move. Hiding your pain, that's a bad move. Take a look at this video clip.
See, pain is cohesive because it binds us together. I love what Ursula K. Le Guin says. It is our suffering that brings us together. The worst thing you can do is hide when you're hurting and isolate yourself when you're going through trouble. The best thing you can do is to allow the community to come alongside of you and minister to you and minister through you. Several weeks ago, this cyclone hit Zimbabwe. It damaged homes. It killed 185 people and displaced some 270,000 Zimbabweans. The neighboring country of Mozambique, it killed 500 people, displaced some 600,000 individuals. One woman, she was so pained by what happened to her nation when the cyclone hit, that this 71-year-old woman carried this big heavy bag of food and pots and pans to strangers 10 miles away to give them food and make sure that they can cook so they can be able to have, have food to eat. Somehow the national and international news got wind of her actions. And this Zimbabwean billionaire named Strive Masiwa, who heard what happened, what this widow did, and he said, this is the biblical widow's mile, Masiwa said on Facebook. What she did is one of the most remarkable acts of compassion I've ever seen. He continued, when this is over, I'm going to find her and invite her to come and see me if possible. Then I will spend time in prayer with her. Then I'll build her house anywhere she wants in Zimbabwe. It will have solar power and running water. Then I'll give her a monthly allowance of $1,000 for life. See, pain caused this woman to act. This 71-year-old grandma named Plaxidus Dillon, here's her response. We have a problem these days. A lot of people, especially Christians, think that giving should only be done to those who are in their religious circles. However, in the Bible, it is written in Matthew 25, verse 45, that whatever you did to the least of my brothers, you did it unto me. Here's a woman carrying this heavy bag on her head for 10 miles to help strangers because she recognizes pain is cohesive. It binds us together. It brings us together and makes us a community. You know, when we went through a little financial pain for our students, that helped to galvanize us. Some of you are saying, because today for our students over, you say, I'm thankful that that pain's over. But it binds us together. When you share something together, it's so, so impactful and helpful. When I was in college, I did mechanical engineering undergraduate, and my roommate, he was from Zimbabwe, and he used to always call me comrade. So why does this guy call me comrade? He said, Comrade David, comrade. I said, why are you calling me comrade? 
because there was a war going on, civil war in Zimbabwe. And he said, well, there's a war in my nation, and we, to go through the war and to maintain our emotional sense, we call each other comrade. He said, we're go both going through something painful. He was studying electrical engineering. I was doing mechanical. He said, we're comrades. And so from that day on, I called him comrade. He called me comrade because pain is cohesive. I wanted to talk with you about pain today, give you three little tidbits of information to help you. Pain's complicated, pain is corrective, pain is cohesive. My prayer is that you will have this seat belt that you can put on, that when you go through difficulty, it'll lessen the blow and cause you to maintain your faculties and come through the difficulty unscathed.